Net Support Radio for the latest in technology and education news. Hi and welcome to Net Support Radio. It's Al Kingsley here from Net Support, and I'm really pleased to have Mark Anderson here, the ICT evangelist. Welcome, Mark. Hi. Hi. It's good to have you on board. Um, we've got quite a few topics to talk about from an edtech perspective, but probably a good starting point is a little bit of an introduction about you. So. Um, Mark, give us a quick summary of, um, of, of what you're all about at the moment and the kind of roles you offer. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, not a teacher anymore, but a teacher for, uh, say, more than 20 years. Um, but um, the work that I was doing as a teacher, middle leader, senior leader over the years uh, sort of led me to a point where uh, I was being asked to go out and share and support um, effective ways to um, teach and and uh, to use technology to learn in the classroom. And, and that's what I do now. Uh, I'm, I, I go out and, and work with schools, I work with school leaders, uh, I run training sessions in schools, uh, inset, I support them uh, around their use of technology and to support and enhance teaching and learning. Um, and through my blog and other things, I'm, I'm, I'm seen, well, I still find it quite strange, but um, I'm, I'm seen as somebody who's sort of a thought leader in this kind of uh, sort of arena. And that also leads to me being asked to speak at events and conferences. And so that takes me, and, and the work of schools as well, takes me literally all over the world. So say in the past 12 months, you'll have seen me in Hong Kong, to Dubai, to Bridgend. <laughs> Absolutely. All well, over the place. We have seen you all over the place. And um, obviously we have quite a quite close relationship and at NetSupport we've utilised some of your experience on different topics to get involved. And one of the things that's always interesting is we obviously develop technology to facilitate, but it's all ultimately all about the educator and using best practice and ideas to get the most out of it. And we were talking earlier about some different topics like you know, the research by Hattie. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder whether you could just perhaps expand on some of those thoughts in terms of that kind of um, the, the priorities that have the most impact from a teaching perspective. Yeah, I mean, there, there are loads of things that we can do as teachers to have an impact on, on how learners uh, learn in the classroom. But the, the best ways really um, are ones which are informed by some kind of evidence. You know, we, we can often think that something might be really good or really powerful. Uh, like, like seeing children really engage in, 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 a, in a topic or a project could be thought as being something really good, but actually engagement in and of itself is actually a poor proxy for learning. You know, it's, it's about thinking about all those things around that. Um, you know, engagement can come from a really enthusiastic teacher who's really knowledgeable about a subject and really bring that to life for the learner. Um, that's not uh, anything which is bad. That's a, that's a really positive thing. Uh, but engagement, because they're doing something which is fun, you know, if you think about some of the VR and AR stuff that we've talked about absolutely, in the past, yeah. you know, it's, it's absolutely fantastic some of the stuff that you can do, but if it's not being linked back to what the children are supposed to be learning, if it's just there for fun value, then again, I, I talk about that that, 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 that devalues not just you as a teacher, but it devalues your classroom, your subject, all the stuff you do, and if you're using technology, it'll devalue the technology that you're using as well. So it's really important to take on board some of the things that actually work. So you mentioned John Hattie, he's done so much research, his book Visible Learning for Teachers was a, a really seminal piece which breaks down uh, what the really impactful things are to do with teaching and learning. Um, another uh, group of um, people and the uh, learning scientists and mm. cognitive uh, psychologists, they've been doing research into areas which have again a big impact uh, on, on teaching and learning and in taking on board these strategies from uh, retrieval practice to dual coding to interleaving to concrete examples, you know, there are lots of ways in which you can use very very simple technology to actually reinforce those strategies and those things. So take for example dual coding, you know, sketch noting is a really great way of being able to use some simple technology with just a stylus and, and, and the technology you've got in front of you to sort of sketch things out, for example. 
um, using assessment for learning tools to enable and support low stakes testing around ideas of space uh, practice and, and, and retrieval practice. It, again, another fantastic thing you can do. So there's, there's, there's loads of stuff you can do, but I would always strongly urge <clears throat> anyone who's thinking about using technology in the classroom uh, to not use it for the gimmick factor. Uh, it's really important that you think carefully. And I, I know that everyone will want to uh, get a learning return from their investment in technology. Um, but um, if you, if, is it, uh, Michael Fullen who said, uh, you know, technology um, is great, uh, but pedagogy should be the driver. Technology is the accelerator. Yeah. And, and with that in mind, we should always be start, starting whatever we're thinking about doing with the teaching and learning. And, and so the ideas and, and the research from Hattie and, and the learning scientists and so forth and so on are really powerful. And um, much the foundation, I suppose, in the sense with TPAC, where technology kind of underpins pedagogy and content in the classroom. Absolutely. So PCK was where that came from originally yeah. from Shulman. And, and you know, it's, it's those two things that bring... Um, everything together and then you can add technology into the mix and so the lovely thing I, uh, the thing I love the most about TPAC uh, as I'm sure I mentioned to you before is the, the the idea that where those three things meet that, that sweet spot in the middle isn't where you're using equally pedagogy content knowledge and technological knowledge it's about knowing when is right to or not to use technology so it's not about being like you know gung-ho super tech or yep. the rest of it you know and you might think that with my handle being like ict evangelist but you, you know a healthy dose of skepticism you know trying things out playing practice remembering that every day is a learning day things aren't always going to work you know but having that, that approach which is underpinned by all the training you've gone through both on your degree subject on your postgrad stuff to become a teacher you know, your piece your pedagogical knowledge your content knowledge all that stuff coming together and then bringing in that technological knowledge that can, and, and that help. philosophy ties in a little bit with the topic we've discussed before in, in terms of SAMA and about your view that it's not necessarily a race to the top in terms of you have to do all of it in order to be a tick in the box that's absolutely right Al you know if you think about SAMA you know people think oh crikey I'm, I'm a substitution level. I need to be thinking about how I can squeeze more out of what I'm using to do that. Well, actually, you don't have to. Um, it, it shouldn't be that difficult. I talk about planning for the classroom. If, if your use of technology, if, you, if you're going to plan to use something in your classroom, uh, whatever piece of technology it is, if it's going to take you longer to learn how to use it and prep your lesson and get everything sorted than the lesson itself is actually going to take, then you should really think carefully about whether you're going to use it at all. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about some of the things that you can do with support DNA and then so forth and so on, where the, the little things that you can do, those little tweaks, those little marginal gains that you can get, that, that in and of themselves, they're not going to transform anything. When you start using these small, simple little things that you can do, which could be substitutional you know, yeah. on the summer scale, but when you start putting all those things in there, even just on time savings alone, that can mean that you can spend an extra five minutes talking to Johnny about his problem or Jane about her misconception, whatever it is. You know, and, that, and that's where I see the real big wins with technology, about making our lives easier. It's about making sure that we are able to uh, give our learners opportunities to develop skills um, through the technology, but not necessarily about technology. So things around oracy and numeracy, for example, which are huge. Big time, yeah. Absolutely. But it, again, it's not about the technology being the start. It's about using what you... People talk a lot in education about being research informed. I think people should start thinking more about being a bit more technology informed, yeah. so they can think about when it's right to or not <coughs> to. Like yeah. I mean, I guess a good example would be in terms of, of Hattie's research. You know, 
the use of technology wasn't top of the list. It was it's one of the factors, isn't it, in terms of there's, there's other there's other techniques and other other priorities that sit from a teaching perspective. That's it. There's loads of strategies from strong relationships, um, teacher credibility, for example. You yeah. know, and, and and teacher credibility does, again doesn't come from you being the most whiz bang AR VR teacher in the world ever. It's about making sure that you are you know knowledgeable about your subject, knowledgeable and, and sharing things about how to learn and sort of through metacognitive and sort of self-regulatory strategies. Uh, I think I mentioned to you before about the Education Endowment Foundation, for mm. example. Their, their teaching and uh, learning toolkit is really, really helpful in informing what you do in the classroom with or without technology. Absolutely. And a lot of it, I suppose, comes down to common sense. I mean, I, I know fr from that research that just having coordinated and unified teachers within a department is one of the biggest ways to gain a, a, an impact in the starting point. That's it? right. If you, if you look at the, um, I think it was um, Hattie's uh, yeah. research, you know, having, having um, you know, teachers working in unison and on, on a similar approach in, in, a, in a culture which is focused on learning, where the conversations are about learning and, and all of that, has a huge impact on student progress. Yeah, and I think those are all important strands when we're talking about kind of... Um, how to move things forward and obviously EdTech is the focus and, and we talk about it being the great facilitator and if I said to you to reflect over the last few years on, on some typical eureka moments that, you, that teachers have had when you've been sharing ideas or best practice, what, what would stick in your mind as things that you know just click on the fly? One of the biggest um, kind of uh, positives, one of the nicest things people say to me uh, after having done some work with me and then we're looking at technology is that, that after spending time working with me they feel that they can actually go away and do something with technology. So many people have that barrier where they're just concerned about it not working or um, things not being quite right or uh, it not having an impact on, on what's going on in the classroom and they're under pressure from results, <clears throat> all those sorts of things. When teachers come back to me and say, you know, you really gave me confidence to go away and do that thing, and here's something I made in my classroom, here's something that my students have made as a result of that, it had this impact on their results, it had this impact, isn't that stuff, that's a eureka bit for me. And, yep. and again, it isn't, like I talk about with technology, it's not about the big whiz-bang stuff, it's the things that help move people forwards. You talked about EdTech being a facilitator, and I, I like to sort of work with teachers as being more like a guide on the side rather than the sage on the stage sort of thing. And, and that's how, how I see EdTech being in the classroom as well. It's not about being the, at the front and the focus or all the rest of it. We talk about like, the modern learning toolkit. And just like you'd want to have you know, your compass, your pencil, your so forth and so on, uh, as part of what you might have in your pencil case, so EdTech needs to be there so that at the right time, when it's appropriate, when it can have an impact, it can be used. And, and, and the great thing about, you know, these tools that are available to us these days from your surfaces to your iPads to your Chromebooks they're like Swiss army knives yeah. it's, it's not a compass which has pretty much got one kind of main use you know uh, or your protractor or your ruler or whatever it is you know there are so many things you can do with the technology because it's so so versatile and when I often it's an interesting term but when I think of um, the guide on the side on the stage on the stage I, I always think back to the, the kind of examples when it comes to flipped classrooms and, the, and that kind of pedagogical um, techniques now you know that's a, an area I know that you've you've shared some views on as well haven't you yeah and, and again that's, that's a really great idea the, the idea of, of rather than making you be the person who's always standing at the front doing the delivery and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff giving that opportunity for that to happen away from the class giving purposeful homework and using technology as a tool, for example, like Edpuzzle, where you can pop a, a video in there and, and build in some questions along the way. 
um, uh, outside of the class. Really, really great. So I, I share a lot as well, as you know, about this idea of flipping the flip as well, rather than yep. you being the person who makes the resources and then shares that out to your students. And maybe as, as a revision activity at the end of, an, uh, end, of, end of a course, particularly relevant as students are in their exams at the moment, but getting them to create the resources, use that because the ability of those students to showcase or show what they learned and for it to be correct is a great way of embedding everything uh, and um, it's supported by loads and loads of research as well <clears throat> and obviously then it frees up you and gives you time to actually you know not be making those things you could be doing other things and if you've got those resources in place they're great for you to use for your next year absolutely you'll be doing next year's classes as well What's the driving force for um, how you're developing net support products at the moment then? Is there, is there anything linked to what I'm talking about? I think there's, there's, a, there's a huge correlation between the two things because, you know, first and foremost, what we develop is all teacher-centric or student-centric and so the tools are developed with educators to make sure that they're the right fit and um, education we've seen a huge transformation in recent years um, and lots of it's positive and there are some negatives and I suppose that the simple yin and yang is there's some fantastic technology and tools out there uh, that could be used to improve experiences and, and teaching in the classroom and at the flip side there isn't necessarily the resource to either deliver and sometimes to train people to actually get the most out of it and the worst mm. scenario is when you when schools spend that budget and um, get that technology and it sits there on the side so lots of what we've worked on a, a, as an organization is about the tools to actually help leverage the most out of the devices keep them operational keep them going um, in recent years, I suppose, there's been a number of strands that have, have steered our development now and moving forward. Um, so one is about um, being device agnostic, about making sure that our technology is transferable across platforms because teachers are, you know, often are fluid. They may have their own lap MacBook or laptop that they move around, but in different settings and scenarios, they're going to be dealing with different devices. And I think that, that consistency is, is one important development. Um, the second is a topic we've talked about in the past, which is about um, moving our tools from being about management of students and resources in the classroom to actually being able to, to support assessment and testing and developing all the time greater tools that will allow that kind of uh, flexibility. One area that we've, we've done quite a lot of work on is, is gamifying that process of assessment, mm -hmm. trying to encourage reluctant learners, but also to try and, try and make that process much easier. And, and often time, time is this factor that really affects teachers. You know, it's all about preparation. So if I say to you, you know, tomorrow I want to um, do an assessment with the children about um, some, some history subjects, you could either spend this evening putting together some questions and plugging it into your, your testing software, or you could take an approach where you verbally ask questions. Children respond in an electronical sense. And because you're verbally ans asking the questions, if you perhaps um, do some questions where you're bouncing it around the class, you know, you ask little Billy a question, you bounce it to Fred, and, and Fred needs a bit more scaffolding and a bit more support. So you can, you can vary that, and then you can do the peer assessment and so on. So we're working hard in terms of developing some of those assessment tools. But in parallel, because um, one of the topics we often get um, in discussions with schools is, you know, how do we get SLT on board? How do we get buy-in to actually get these tools? They don't necessarily understand all of the benefits. Mm -hmm. And that is a challenge because, you know, <coughs> it, it, money's tight in most settings. And so the, the, the kind of the flip of, of that process is about providing the evidence of impact, the evidence of use, um, how frequently the technology is used, you know, what it's been done for, keeping the, the journals and the recorded output to evidence it, so that when schools are looking at delivering new technology, they, they're able to evidence they're getting the most from the existing um, product, that, you know, that, that key ROI. 
And I think that's never been more important because, you know, it's something I know it's close to your heart and Steve Banbury, a lot, a lot of topics about VR and AR. Um, and that comes at a price, although, you know, actually when it comes to AR, potentially you, you can utilize the tablets you've already got. So it's not as expensive as it might be perceived. But we want to try and find ways that make sure that that, that, that hard-earned kit gets the most value from it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know you have your um, periodic table of, of apps, which is fantastically popular. Um, if, if you could pick a couple, what would you pick? Um, on the AR and VR? I'm putting you on the spot there, yeah. Yeah, but. so um, I, I really love the Figment app. I mean, I've talked about before, you can put portals into augmented reality space. The best way I can describe it is if you think about the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, yep. uh, you walk into the wardrobe and da -da, you're in Narnia. Okay, so with Figment, you can put a portal, a doorway, and you can, if using your tablet, you can walk through that portal. Yeah. And um, before you do all that stuff, you can um, drop in a 360 degree image. Yeah. And um, you've either sort of made yourself through stitching or through using a 360 camera, uh, and you can drop that in there. Now that's really, really amazing for all sorts of projects around Aurasi, around um, uh, sort of trips uh, for geography, history, so forth yeah. and so on. Um, so that's a, that's a really fantastic uh, app. If, app. If you want to find out more about that, there's a blog post about that one on my on my website. Um, another one that uh, I, I think is really really great on there is Google Expeditions. Yeah. Um, this was an app which um, came out when there weren't really many AR apps around. And, and to be fair, it's it's not like uh, AR or VR like you would normally have it. It's it's more the sort of app whereby um, it's using um, 360 photos again. Yeah. But by using this this again relatively simple technology, and again it's free whether you're an Android school, whether you're an iPad school, whatever it is you've got access to tablet wise. You know, this is a free tool that you can use to take your learners to anywhere, literally in you know, a, 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 a in the world uh, to, to take them on, on, a, on a virtual trip and that's fantastic you know, imagine if you're a teacher and you're required to take uh, your learners on a trip somewhere as part of the syllabus or the rest of it let's say that it's in another country you can't actually take them. The, the, the cost of that trip is prohibitive or they're too young they're not allowed to, you know for whatever reason to go to that place it's just absolutely fantastic and and um, Ruben Penzajura talks about the salmon model and he talks about the, 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 the modification and redefinition levels as, as uh, levels where you're using technology to do things that wouldn't be possible without the technology. You know, and, and that really, the whole VRAR thing can really have a huge impact uh, and, and on that sort of stuff when it comes to thinking about what you can do well in the classroom. It's, an, it's an also an important topic because it's something close to my heart and I think it's, it's close to most educators' hearts that one of the measures of a successful education and pathway for a child is about the breadth of experiences and, and their ability to you know engage and, and see those things and i think there's so much potential with um, vr and ar to give children a much broader and more engaging learning experience where it's appropriate I say, I mean, if you talk about the more immersive kind of experiences, I mean, you, you talked about my friend Steve Banbury before. Yeah. Uh, Google creates a, a, a VR app called Tilt Brush. Now, Tilt Brush enables you using your paddles, and you can't do this on a tablet, and this is a proper sort of full-on immersive VR experience using your, your HTC Vive or whatever it is that you've got. And, um, yeah, so you, you have your paddles in your hand, and in your virtual reality space, you can craft and create something um, and sculpt it in virtual reality using the tools that are there from an airbrush to sort of putty to all sorts of stuff and so he used that with A-level art students to give them an opportunity to do that and, and, and um, so if you, if you check out his website virtualityteach.com and there's some stuff on there about that experiment but again this, this gives you the opportunity to do things that enable you to sort of trial practice and, 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 and mock up and, and do things you know much much more easily again than you would with actually 
doing it for real in, in, in a kiln or in the classroom or wherever else it is. And it, and it gives those learners, again, those opportunities that wouldn't be easily possible if it wasn't for that technology. And, and there's, there's some, some fantastic ones that I know that we've both shared in terms of things like the Augmentify apps that yeah, kind yeah, of absolutely. Uh, primary years can be about that kind of seeing and reading about insects and having them come to life on the page. And then at a slightly older age level, there's all the solar system and other resources. And then that's another low cost and but immersive way of getting children involved, isn't it? Yeah, and even at a younger age, you know, there's a, an app called Quiver. And um, with Quiver, you can print out um, colouring in sheets. Uh, and you can colour the sheets in however you want them. And then when you scan the, um, the sheets with your device afterwards, the thing, whatever it is you're looking at, comes to life, coloured in, in the way that you've coloured it in. It's absolutely fantastic. And so there, there are some fun ones there, right? yeah. Hudsy for children in need and what have you. Um, but there's other ones which are actual learning activities. Yeah? So there is a, um, a, a flat um, version of the earth. Okay, you can colour in the sea, you can colour in the countries, you can put, sort of put some labels on where various capitals are, all that sort of thing. And then when you scan it over the top of the, of the sheet with your device, so that globe comes to life, coloured in the way that you've coloured it in, with the labels actually on it and the earth spinning around so you can see it in front of you. It's absolutely amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. And children, my own children say it to me today, uh, not today, but they, they say it to me all the time, you know, Daddy, can we do the magic? And it is that. They see it as being yeah. absolutely magic. And that links back to an old quote from Arthur C. Clarke. He said, when technology is sufficiently advanced enough, it's indistinguishable from magic. And that's kind of what I try and do for teachers, because for some teachers, you know, some of the things they see, they, 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 how, how does that work? It's, it's magic. But actually, it's about giving those teachers the, the time and the space to play, practice, learn about these things, so that it isn't magic. Hmm. It's just a tool that you can use you know, in, in, your, in your classroom to have an impact on learning. And I think that's that's the the lovely dovetail that we have in terms of the the kind of the conversation between, you know, the, the technology that makes sure that the kits are operational and available and accessible to young people, and then the wealth of resources that are now available. And um, how many apps are there on your periodic table of VR apps specifically? Uh, Eighty-two. Eighty-two. So there's yeah. a pretty good starting point for anybody that wants to get a, a deep dive and get some fresh ideas on things they could do with their existing kit. Yeah, what, what, what I try and do with those ta those tables as well is to categorise them into sort of different types of learning activity. Right. So some of them are storytelling, for example. Some are based around science. Uh, it's all colour coded. And actually, if you check it out uh, via my website, there's a there's a there's a, there's a tool called ThingLink uh, that you can use to create interactive images. So if you go to the, my website and find the actual table there, um, I mean obviously you can, you can print out a high res version and put it into yeah. your staff room, what have you. If you're keen on finding out where all these different apps are and, and, and so forth and so on, rather than having to then go to the app store and type them all in and, and, and all of that, actually you can just click on the link directly on the ThingLink version of the table as well. So, given that we're here together and we're talking about things in the future, if I was to twist your arm a little bit just to try and uh, get a sneak peek into the future of, of what's happening at NetSupport, what, what, what might uh, uh, educators sort of see coming out of the NetSupport stable in the next sort of, 12 months? Um, well, without being too much about giving away secrets, I guess the, the first thing I could say is um, certainly for a, a number of our products, the future is in the clouds. That's, that's one big change. Um, in terms of accessibility and how our products are delivered. Um, so that's that's one side. Um, another side is seeing the, the transformative side of our, of our product line to be not just about um, tools to manage technology, but also tools to support teacher practice in the classroom. So a bit of a shift to make sure that we have the broadest possible um, 
set of solutions for schools. Um, we're also working on, on the unification of, of products so that it's, you know, ultimately, you know, we want to minimise the, the time and effort to install something, get something working, uh, maximise the, the, the speed of getting that, that ROI. Um, and probably the most complicated one, and it's something we're, we're actually working on at, at the current time the most, um, it is, often, it is very challenging, is the idea that you need to add more but present less. In other words, how do you add extra functionality into technology but at the same time revisit and simplify what you're presenting? Because there is a law of diminishing returns, no matter how many features have value and how successful you are as a developer, that if you have a product with 100 features and you add another 100 features, at some point that level of functionality is such that a teacher can't actually utilise all that with a lesson, or the complexity of the product means that they don't have the time and the luxury to actually do that. So we're working quite hard on adding functionality, but actually revisiting the way that we deliver that functionality to simplify the process. This is all about our marginal gains. It's all about saving time. And if the functionality saves time, then your ability to get into the technology to leverage that feature has to also be quicker and easier and simpler to do. That's really interesting. We see that in, in, in personnel management and the human resource management and what have you as well, because oftentimes, and teachers will, 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 will um, sort of, this, this idea will resonate massively with teachers, I'm sure. But, you know, teachers are being asked to do more and more and more all the time. But the thing is, time is actually finite. Absolutely. And, and yeah. you, you can't do absolutely everything. And so if you're going to ask somebody to do something more, you need to think, be thinking, well, if, you know, if I'm going to ask them to do more in that way, what am I going to take away what to gives? facilitate that? Yeah. And so, and it's the same sort of thing as you're talking about there. You know, yes, you want to put more functionality in, but what actually is then going to have to be removed or sweet tweets around and how is that, that user experience and the user interface going to reflect to make that work? And all that? Absolutely. Like a simple example, we can talk about all these fantastic apps and resources that can be available, but, but if our platform can allow a teacher to click on a single link and open everything on all the students' machines instantly, ready to go, ready for learning, ready for engagement. Um, that may not be a showcase feature in, in, in the broader sense, but there's maybe 30 seconds you've saved in a lesson where kids are getting sorted and established. So now we can build on that and provide the extra bits. So we can close down quickly, we can remotely log out all the machines at the end of the lesson, we can do yeah. those bits. We can, And I think this is the, 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 the point where you get to a critical mass and it, it's all about really just focusing on the little things that really um, affect teacher time. So there's a little bit about um, uh, that conversation, but what's happening in, um, in your world at the moment, Mark? I know you've got one book out, but I understand you're working on a new book. Yeah, so I'm busy with all my sort of usual work, working with schools and, and sort of sharing things on my blog and the rest of it, but uh, it's been long enough. I've been wanting to get my second book out there for some time, so I've been working on that recently. Uh, so um, uh, title um, currently stands at Are We Nearly There Yet? Uh, but I'm looking at supporting um, uh, teachers and school leaders. Uh, so it's going to be a book which explores... Um, how uh, teachers in the classroom can make the most of technology uh, to support uh, the, the work they're doing, um, and not just in the classroom. Uh, it can help them develop over their own uh, professional development, their own practice, how they can make things work, and then flipping that over for school leaders so you can do that sort of thing at scale. And some of the things that the school leaders might want to be th thinking about in terms of how they market their school, how they can share things more widely, share the great things that are going on in their school, uh, and, and sort of covering all those aspects. So I'm really, really excited. It's coming along really nicely. Excellent. And it should be out within the next uh, few months, uh, which will be available on Crown House Publishing. Fantastic. And apart from the book, what else have you got planned on upcoming events? Anything exciting to 
I've taken some lovely bookings recently. Got uh, one coming up in uh, November in Dubai. Did some great work in um, June with uh, the uh, Girls Day School Trust. Got a big conference uh, for the uh, GDST schools there. Really excited about that. Um, and, and just the usual sort of thing. Just if you want to find out more about what I'm doing and, and where I'm at uh, and, and all that, you can easily find out that sort of thing either through my website, uh, ictevangelist.com, uh, or uh, via my Twitter, which. Uh, is at ICT Evangelist. I know you've got a few followers on there, so that will... Um, One or two. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, look, I really appreciate having your time and it's good to have a chat as always. Brilliant stuff. Thank you ever so much, Al. Cheers. You are listening to the One 